Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. And we're live. And I am so excited to introduce my guest to you today. She is so cool. And really, this is it's time to get organized, everyone. We've got marketing projects left and right. We've got a new year. We've got new strategies. And in her words, let's keep calm in the chaos. Let's do it. My guest is a former uh, TV rock star, project managing at, at, with uh, TV production. She's the founder of the Project Designer in, in my opinion, a project management superhero and actually an Instagram legend, Nicole Jackson. Welcome. Wow. That is such an amazing introduction. Thank you, Casey. I'm glad to be here. Well, that's pretty much the only thing I do right on this podcast. Everything else is downhill from here, but yeah, welcome. But it's a great start. Thank you. Totally. Totally. I, I have a few people that just loop the introduction over and over for themselves <laughs> in the morning. You know, it's like their own little five minute personal. Yeah. It's like the pump up to get yes, you ready for the yes, day yes, like for the podcast. So <laughs> here's the theme uh, for everyone listening. And for us, um, it's all, you know, now you're so, you're so organized. We're talking about where we met and everything. Uh, but it's all about marketing teams. We've got teams of marketers. We've got a lot of marketers listening, sales too, and even some project managers. And it's like, how do we get organized? keep calm in the chaos? How do we have the right mindset to approach all the different projects that we're trying to juggle? And maybe you're not a natural project manager. Well, how, how, can, you, how can you adjust to fit your own style, specialties? And then also, how does that fit in with other people on your team? And if you're a solo, um, you're a marketer and you just, like at one time I was this, I was a marketer all by myself and there's a CEO and there's sales. Well, you're still in a team. You're the revenue team. So we got to figure out how we can work with all these people. So that's why you're here. That's why Nicole's here. So here we go. This is heavy, but I've been working out. This is Thor's hammer. So I want you to take that hammer and I want you to smash like some bogus strategy or some, some la-la words that you've been hearing about business or marketing that you just set the record straight. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time in corporate, um, okay. in television and, you know, a topic that came up often, um, was management and how to manage people and how to work with people. And one thing that I struggled with at first and that I found a lot of other people struggling with was how to deal with emotions at work and a myth that is out there um, which is feelings don't belong at worth is at work is the myth that I would like to smash. All right, take a <laughs> um, today. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the reason is that um, when we're dealing with people, which is what we're doing at work, we're dealing with clients, we're dealing with teams. Maybe you have a team that you're working with directly. Maybe you're trying to work with various departments at the organization. Um, you have to deal with people, and people are humans and humans have feelings. And so um, a book that I'm reading right now is actually by Brene Brown. I don't know if you're familiar with oh, her. Oh yeah, I, she has a video on empathy. I think that's really yes. badass. Yeah, she studies a lot. She's a researcher and studies a lot about courage and shame and vulnerability. And she just came out with a new book. I swear I don't work for her, <laughs> but <laughs> it's called uh, Dare to Lead. And one thing that she mentioned in the book that I absolutely loved is that um, she's talking about leaders and um, 
leadership is something that you have regardless of what level you're on at on a team or at a company uh, leadership is something that everyone has and one thing she says is that leaders must either invest a reasonable amount of time attending to people's fears and feelings or an unreasonable amount of time managing ineffective and unproductive behavior and i thought this was just so um so important um, for businesses of any size. And I think it's true, I mean, in business, but also in life as well. Um, people are going to have feelings and fears and experiences and perspectives. And if you don't address them, um, it's not going to work well. Yeah, you set yourself up. That's how interesting, right? You could either, I love that, attend to the feelings, the actual cause of whatever performance may or may not be happening or you can just manage the result of the fact that you ignored everyone's feelings totally and, and how, how true is that people I, the people we bump into all the time you know they, they're either in, unfortunately probably more of the latter where more people are just like oh these employees or oh my team or my coworkers. it's like hmm there's a cause and it's that's the result that's not really the cause totally and i'll give you an example so yeah. when i worked at my job um in television i worked in the financial department and so one of the things we were responsible for was purchasing any software systems um uh team uh, contractors that would need to come in to support us with projects. Right. And part of that was working with the engineering team, the IT team, the creative department, engineering to really understand what we needed and then work with finance and the vendors to actually negotiate a deal. And so there was one guy that I worked with and he was a financial manager and he came out of his boss's office with his shoulders down and his mm. head down and his face was red and he came over to me and we you know we were we were friends and you know talked a lot about like ways to kind of help each other out at work and yeah. ways to deliver and he's like i'm so pissed <laughs> and wow. and he said you know i just got you know screamed at in that office what? and you know, I presented a, a spreadsheet and it wasn't, wasn't accurate and my boss got in trouble and now she yelled at me and just all of this stuff. And so at that point, I had been practicing mindfulness and being aware of what's happening. And right. it was very clear that this guy, like rightfully so, was angry. And so he's like, I'm going to go and like talk to my team. I can't believe there was this mistake. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> mm. Like, so you just got, you know, in trouble basically with your boss yeah. yep. because your boss got in trouble with her boss. Yeah. And now you have a choice. Like you can either go and behave the same way to your team or you can choose something different. Right. And it was this moment where he was able to pause. And that's something that I talk to my oh, clients yeah. about in management and leadership is that learning how to pause. And this is what, <clears throat> when you are aware of um, and practice mindfulness, practice meditation, it supports you in knowing when to stop and take a minute. And so by taking a minute and by actually attending to his own fears 
And because he was scared. His boss was scared. His boss's boss was scared. That's oh, why this yeah, was all happening. Rolling downhill kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, he was able to make a better choice. Huh. And so it was in that like small moment that I realized that there really is a domino effect when it comes to how people treat each other, especially in the workplace. And um, it can make a huge difference in your team. Um, and again, regardless of whether you have a team of people or just you're interacting with other people, which I'm sure you are if you are employed. <laughs> right. And it makes a huge difference um, because if he went and treated his team the same way, they would have gotten nowhere, right? And that's that right. unproductive behavior and inefficiency that Bernice, uh, you know, from my perspective is talking about in her book. Yeah, that chain reaction. I mean, you see that with just even negativity or positivity, you know, someone was nice to you and you're like, I'm nice, or someone was mean to you. And it's like, you kind of just want to offload that is that sort of that knee jerk reaction, but then you're just making somebody else's day miserable. And then you can kind of see that just go everywhere. And so it, it sounds like it was happening at that company where bosses were just hitting on the people. I mean, you, sometimes you got to correct, but you know, this isn't preschool. We, we you know, so. Yeah. Tough. It's, um, it's one of those things where I think that, you know, I, I, I appreciate positivity. I appreciate surrounding myself with people who lift me up and, totally. Um, there's no like wrong feeling or emotion. Like I get angry sometimes and it doesn't right. look positive. Right. But if I stop myself, I'm able to pause and I can actually process the feeling. Right. I'm able to show up differently and have a different perspective. And that's the whole, we joke, you know, about the common, the chaos. It's a yeah. lot of work and it's not, um, pretending that something's not happening and showing up with, like a happy face, it's actually doing the work of identifying what's happening and what's going on, understanding it, facing it, so that you can show up um, to, in your life with the people that surround you um, as your best self. Yeah, so true. You know, it reminds me, Dan Sullivan has a book where he talks a little bit about, you know, in that moment, and you talked about that pause being so important. In that moment, Something happens. Sometimes we turn red or we want to just knee-jerk reaction, be mad back or go shit on somebody else, whatever. Like there's a sort of natural reaction and you can either have that reactive response, which could be all the bad things you probably will regret doing, sending that email you shouldn't send, or he calls it the creative response. And one of the things in that list is pausing. Another thing might be just taking a deep breath, jumping on a trampoline, I don't know, something, yeah. right? Writing down to, for yourself what's going on, but some kind of response where you're taking action as opposed to just reacting as if you don't have any control over it. Totally. And I think it's important to take a look at triggers. So if you are having an emotional response to something, so for me, it's frustration. So if I know that I'm starting to feel feeling frustrated with someone, it's because it's identifying something in myself that I need to work on. So if somebody is talking to me at work and they're saying like, you know, this spreadsheet doesn't, isn't right. It's not correct. I can't believe you did this. Da, 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 da. It's not going to bother me if I know that that's right. not true. <laughs> like, but if I have any insecurities or doubts in myself, that is really going to impact me. I think it happens a lot with kids because they're developing themselves and their confidence. Um, right. Doll, I think it's something that you can kind of take a look at to see, you no, know, this person isn't causing me to feel this way. 
I'm feeling this way because of something. What is that? Right. Right. Just being, trying to, in the moment, just take a step back. I mean, it's not easy for everyone. Some people, I mean, I, maybe I step back too much. So like, oh, look, let's look at myself right now. But other people just taking a step back and saying, okay, what are you seeing right now? What are you feeling? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And then yeah. it allows you, and I, I'm, I, I know of Dan Sullivan actually from our conversations and oh, right, right. I understand, you know, and I, I think, you know, when you examine what is happening in the moment and you're able to pause and you're able to listen and get curious, that's where opportunities can happen. So I'll give you an example. I was, so I have a small business. I work with, um, I had a project management agency for four years. Mm. Um, we worked with a lot of clients and I had one client, we worked with them for, think about a year or two years actually. And we had a conversation at the end of their contract to say, what's coming up for you? Where do you need support to see how we could continue to support them in their business? Right. And she said, you know what? I don't think I need your support anymore. And in that moment, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) great. (laughs) Mm. But I paused yeah. Stayed present. And I said, tell me more about that. Yeah. And what I point. found is that she didn't not want to work with us because she wasn't happy with our service offering. We were operating as a third party contractor in her business when it came to project management and she needed to hire a full-time employee to fill the right. Position. And so by staying open, by staying curious, I could ask those questions. And then what I realized is that we could help her hire in the position. So it actually created another opportunity. Um, and, right. so, and so when you're able to start getting a handle on those feelings and fears and emotions and get curious, that's when opportunity can happen. That's when you might be able to think of something that's maybe you have a new idea for a marketing campaign or you have um, you know, some some ideas of different things and you can also collaborate with people too. Right. Because you're staying open. Right. I love that. Tell me more. Um, some of the best advice I've ever gotten was to stay curious and, or be curious. And so I actually have, let me see this over here. I have a, a hot wheels um, of the curiosity Rover. Nice. Uh, on my wall. <laughs> I don't know how much I paid for that on eBay, but um, yeah, the curiosity Rover. And I also have a t-shirt of the, the rover on my wall too, just to remind me, you know, just wherever I go, just carry. And you're so right. Like it's always these misconceptions. Like someone said something and the story we tell ourselves about what they said is that they hate us. They think our services suck or whatever. Or, right. You start making yeah. assumptions and yeah. that's what curiosity I think stops is yeah. making assumptions that aren't, tr- that may not be true. It's telling yourself a story about what might not even be happening at all. And right. so I think the, the reason why this is so important and why this comes up when you're executing projects and when you're working with other people is because it makes things more efficient. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are spending a ton of time and energy trying to manage this unproductive behavior because you're not tending to maybe to your own fears and feelings, but to other people's as well and understanding where they're coming from, it's going to waste a ton of time that you could be focusing in on like, what are the priorities? What do we need to execute? How can we get things done? And so what I hear from people often is, you know, I don't want to have to have a conversation with someone about this thing because it's going to be a huge waste of time. Um, so let's say you're working together on a project and you're trying to work with the sales department and there's a personality there that you feel like you don't really jive with and it's, you feel like it's holding the project back. 
it's like, oh, I don't want to talk to them because it's just going to like, it's going to be an hour of our time. And like, we don't have time for that. Right. I think the opposite. If you take the time to nip it in the bud, you will be so much more productive together. I worked with a gentleman at my job um, and it was very clear that there was some friction on the team. <laughs> like our communication styles were not on the same page. Like I would write these nice emails and I would get <laughs> unworded answers Ooh. for him. And he was a, you know, he was the director of a department and I right. knocked on his door and went to his office and said, Hey, what's going on? Like, I feel like you don't like me. Like what's happening? <laughs> you know, and, and what so was his response? What? He was like, thank you for saying something like, and what was happening is that he had a bunch of challenges on his plate. He had a ton of projects, right? He was getting a lot of pushback from people. And so he was able to explain where he was coming from. I think he also was just super direct in email for some reason, but I was also able to express that when he sent me one worded emails, it didn't help me and it didn't help me help him get his project done. Right. So could we come up with a compromise? So I listened to what he was saying and it sucks sometimes to listen to what somebody has to say and give you feedback about what you're doing or the department that you're working you know, with or your colleagues that you care about and support, but you have to listen. And then I was able to express what was coming up for me and then we were able to actually come up with a solution. And, um, and I don't think a whole lot of people do that. No, I don't think so. Yeah. It can and, be and tough to listen way. too. What was that? It can be tough to listen, but like actually listen, not like listen while lining up what you're going to say next. And then, you know, it's maybe it's a little scary to do that because you're like, oh, I want to be prepared and have my next pounce on my next opening. But it's like, mm, maybe if you just stop thinking for a second, and actually try to listen some more, you might pick up on, you know, the subtle yeah, the, the unspoken verbal cues. This is the hard stuff. Like yeah. this is being hardcore is actually being able like to sit and listen to somebody who might not have something that's great to say about you right. and not start going back and getting defensive and um, attacking as well, right. defending. And so, you know, I know, like getting things done and hustling and working hard, you know, working hard and grinding working, it out. Yeah. And, and working long hours. It's like, that's not hard. Like that's easy to do. It's easy to sweep things under the rug. It's easy to just keep going and not address these things. The hard stuff is actually having these conversations. Yeah. And collaboration is, can be hard too. I remember when we we should talk about, you know, how we met, but we were out in Arizona for training and, they put us in a group with people that were different from us. And we'll explain just how different in a second, but they were, we were different. And what I realized was for the most part, I had been collaborating with my own company and with other people who were very similar and, um, or at least accommodatingly similar. And so when I was thrust in this team with people that actually initiate in different ways and they are like totally different, different planet, it was like, whoa, this is hard. Because my normal reaction was I just wanted to go and, write the answers down or get some, get everyone to agree. I'm like, okay, let's go to the next one. Let's do this one. Let's cover the details. Okay, go. And then people that my group just talked the whole, like the, if it, they, they talked for the whole time and at the end they were like, so uh, you figured out the answers, right? Or you, you knew you're speak for us. And I was like, okay, sure. But <laughs> like, I was frustrated that like I couldn't wrangle them all, but they were just right. different, but it just showed me just how difficult, 
collaboration can be while at the same time so much worth it because when I was hanging out with you some of our other classmates it was like this is cool I want to hang out with more people that are different from me but then when you actually need to collaborate it's like "Hmm, that's where the work comes in totally and I think you know the reason when it does work with people when you're working with people who have different strengths than you do and operate differently it works when you know yourself Yes. You communicate that and you understand others too. And I think that's, so we were at the Colby certification training, which is a assessment that measures how you take action naturally. And, um, and so what I have found, I've used this assessment with all of my clients, with all of my team members, it's like 50 bucks. It is, I've given it to all of my family members, yep. <laughs> mom, dad, brother, husband, because I want to know how people take action. Right. And, you know, I have been on teams before, before knowing about the Colby, where there's been someone on the team who has these ideas all of the time. It's like one idea after another idea after another day. All right, everyone go. And then just leaves. It's like, what? (laughs) Wait a minute. And after going through the, you know, understanding Colby and going through the certification, we now know that that, is likely someone who's an initiating quick start, which is somebody who um, just basically can brainstorm, come up with innovating ideas and um, needs the support and strengths of people who don't necessarily come up with as many ideas as fast, but have the ability to keep, um, keep the same what's currently working and identify, okay, out of all of these ideas, what makes the most sense to move forward? Right. Um, but, you know, it, like before understanding about the assessment and knowing myself, right? Because in a typical situation, I'd say that guy is different than me and I don't like how he works and I don't want to work with him. My way is better. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Cause it was almost like we were speaking different languages. Totally. And so, um, and so, understanding myself both like my preferences and desi- like values how i take action um and knowing that there is a value in having people around me that are different has made it a lot easier for me to work with people um right. and you actually prevent a lot of conflict too yeah this it's so true i love that you stated that you know understanding yourself first is really important and I think what it does is it sets the stage that how you act is a strength. But what's also cool is how everyone else act, acts is their strength, right? So it gets you out of that, um, well, I'm just status quo and everybody else sucks. Like everyone yeah. else lacks what I have, so yeah. they're all deficient and I'm okay. No, no, no. You're awesome and they're awesome too. They just they, – their version of awesome is a different – different approach but you need them like what totally. is you you end up that you can't have like a maxed out score on all the things there's like what is it four times three like 60 i don't know math there's a there's a lot of strengths right there's a lot yes. of different 12 12 strengths and, and you can't have yes. them all you can have four <laughs> so that means there's eight other ones you don't have yeah abs- absolutely and um you know it's funny because um I, I happen to be, so for everyone listening, there are four different, um, action modes. So one is fact finding, which is basically, uh, gathering information, researching, asking questions. Um, and you can initiate, you might initiate with that and you might not. 
Um, I initiate, well, let me go through the four. So there's that, there's follow through, which is how you design and organize systems. Um, there is quick start, which is how you handle and tolerate risk. And then there's implementer, which is <laughs> how you deal with tangibles and space. Right. And so I am an initiating fact finder. I like to ask a lot of questions and I like to get a lot of information and the way, so I love using Colby when it comes to sales because yeah. I can understand how my prospect is going to buy based on their Colby. And so wow. I know if they are an initiating fact finder, I should, I should say, what questions do you have for me? Because they're going to have questions. If they like to research, I might say, let me put all of this information into an email. I'll send it over to you and let's talk in a few days. Right. Um, Every single white paper and PDF we have, anything yeah. you possibly need. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All of the data so that you can feel comfortable and know what you're getting. Um, and for quick starts, it's the same with sales. It's like, initiating quick starts usually will buy like they want it and they want it now and they want it quickly true and and counteracting quick starts which is myself need to process the information and need to take more time and aren't like quite ready to take the amount of risk that an initiating fact finder might and so i am an initiating fact finder and a counteracting quick start um, which means i need processing time i am terrible to sell to <laughs> So when I get on a call with a prospect and I know they're, they're the same as me, they're initiating fact finder and they're counteracting quick start. You just hang up the phone at that point or <laughs> no, so I, I'm, I don't... Like, I'm sorry. I don't think we'll be a good fit because yeah. I, I'm just kidding. But a lot of the people that we were selling to a lot of people who were purchasing, purchasing our services and needing project managers were initiating quick starts like you. Yeah. So it's like they had all of these ideas. They, it was a struggle for them to find a team that could keep up with them. And so we would get on a phone, they would give me their credit card information and we were ready to go. Um, so it's interesting how you can use this um, in different aspects of um, working with people. It could be right. in a sales situation, it could be on a team, um, but it's just, it's helpful to know thyself and understand that others, um, the way that they're behaving or maybe how they're acting is, is a strength too. It's figuring out how to work together. Right. And this is so important too for understanding your buyer. We've had some great people on here where we talk about interviewing them and trying to figure out their buyer persona. What path did they take? And what's interesting is Colby would actually indicate, it would give you a, uh, it would kind of let you know ahead of time, this is probably the route they're going to take based on their style of how they approach problems. And um, so what's interesting is, but personas are one part of it, maybe your profile, segmentation, what industry are they in? But this is a great reminder that there, there's different styles people might have. They may be a marketing manager. You might have like four people that are marketing managers, but, or people that are buying your, your, your stuff, uh, but they may approach things completely different. They may want all the facts or the opposite, which is, please, I don't want all the facts. Give me the bottom line. Yes. And if you give all the facts to the bottom line person, they don't read them. Yep. And they get frustrated. Um, yeah. And there is a way, yeah, there is a way to accommodate both mm. in, in email mar marketing and sure. in, in sales too, where you can, you know, there's a reason why there's usually a follow-up sequence if you're trying to sell something, right? Is that the people 
who are quick starts, who are reading and who are ready to take action and have whatever the information is that they need, um, you can find a way to get them to buy right away by offering and maybe selling to them in the first email. For the people that are going to take more time, you can have a follow-up sequence answering objections, um, giving, like really getting inside of their heads to understand, okay, like what are some of the objections that they have to moving forward and how can I answer like every single objection so that they have all of the information that they need. Right. I run marketing campaigns and um, when I'm, you know, selling my, my program, yeah. Um, it's a lot of times people buy on that last email and it's because one of my programs I'm selling to project managers who mm. need information and who like, it usually takes them some time to purchase. Now it's not always, but what? Do you tell them it's the last email? This is, this is it. This is the um, Yeah. There's a, there's a countdown <laughs> timer. They have five days. It's like, this is it. Yeah. What, hap what like, happens? This it, is what it. Is and it's like, oh, okay, well it's, you know, I've given you all of the information. Now it's your choice. And a lot of people will buy on that last email. Now, if I were selling to, to primarily quick starts, um, you know, that strategy might be a little bit different. Right. Um, there are ways, you know, I think when you can approach marketing from the perspective of, um, you know, handling these different types of, um, of Colby, um, of like Colby scores, uh, it, it makes a big difference. Totally. Totally. All right. So yeah, I just realized, I think I introduced you as like Nicole Jackson. I forgot your last name. Miller. Miller. No, well, yeah, and I have it written down here, but I was like, what did I say? But it's Nicole okay. Jackson. I do Miller. both. So people, if you're, if you're searching for her online right now and you're like, oh, I can't find it. My bad. Nicole Jackson Miller, NJM. That's yeah. Kind of, this, is, this is really cool. And it's funny because we met at this, uh, this Colby event. And one of the things I loved that they explained was there's these three parts to the mind. And there's this cognitive side, which is IQ tests and all those kind of things. And, um, and just, you know, general intelligence or the knowledge. Do you know the thing? Do you have the skills to do the thing? Um, and that, you know, when there's a challenge, do you know what to do? And then there's this other side, which is the affect, which was always a fun word to say. I was like, affect, uh, effect, affective yeah. is so weird. But the affect, the personality, the personality side. Why don't I just say personality, people? But um, so there's that side, and that's what a lot of like personality tests captures, and um, and it also changes too. I've taken. I'm a big fan of DISC. I like it on the personality side, but it changes. My my eyes have gone this way. The D's gone up and down. Like all sorts of things have happened. So it's kind of hard to really. I don't know, plan around your strengths. If their strengths are always changing every two years, you know, it's like you're molting. So what's cool is that third part, which we were introduced was the conative side, which apparently Socrates had talked about, just didn't know how to measure it. Along comes Kathy Colby, figures out how to measure it. And um, it's all about your, your, your instincts, which is cool. And it's when you're striving too. So it's striving meaning like, going after something that you're not used to doing before. If it's something easy and it's like, hey, no big deal, I'll, I'll roll with that. It, it's usually the other aspects, but striving, that's where cognitive comes into place. And that's what's most important for teams. I mean, yeah, are they fun to hang out with or not? But more importantly, are they going to get you the documents on time? And how are they going to approach the meeting if you've got to come up with a solution as a problem and you don't know what to do? 
Yeah, it's it's been really big for us. Um, we help people with their teams. So yeah. um, that's something that I mentor clients on. I've been on I've been on teams as the team member. I have my own team. Um, and the Colby has been something that has just become a standard for us doing business. And I recommend it to all of our clients because it really every client that I've shown the Colby to and they've used it with themselves and with their teams have had just these eye-opening moments of understanding, you know, why people are functioning that the way that they are and then how they can utilize them better. Right. You know, on the utilization side, I, you know, shout out to Patrick and all the cool people we hung out with in Arizona. It was cold in Arizona. I wish it was hot. I mean, New England people, I'm trying to escape and go somewhere warm. I, I'm with you. I was hoping for 75 degrees and we were met with like 55 maybe and then it 40 at night or yeah. something. I found yeah. out that it was warmer in New Hampshire than it was in Arizona while we were there. And I was like, come on. I went for a run the first morning in a t-shirt and shorts only to like kind of get to that thing where your whole body's frozen by the time you're done. I was like, oh, come on, Arizona. But otherwise, beautiful state. Um, but yeah, so we were down there and it was so cool, uh, when they presented the, the different ideas of like how you approach a challenge and you start by having the people that like the brainstorm brainstorm, but not everyone has to do it because some people are better at shooting holes in your ideas, but there's a point in that, but have them come later, do the brainstorming first and then have it followed by shoot a bunch of holes, do the fact finding, figure out what needs to happen here. And then you pass it on to the planners, the people that love doing that and are really good at it. So it's like, huh, it's interesting how you can kind of use everybody in their strengths and not forcing people to do things that they're not good at. Yep, exactly. So cool. So cool. So, so along with that, you, one of the things you mentioned, you do some marketing already. You, you do some emails. Now, you also are totally crushing your game on Instagram. Like, beyond belief I, I can't even count the number of stories per day uh, but sometimes you're abbreviated so much that you have little tick marks at the top of the screen and you just just roll with it and just let the instagram story take you <laughs> so yep. how did you just sort of get it or did you sort of yeah. run into it how, and then how's it how's it going for you you give us kind of like that you know, school us on Instagram here. Yeah. So Instagram was something that I was never really into um, until probably about a year and a half ago. Um, I was always on Facebook. I did a bunch of Facebook lives. Um, I had a great response there. And I am trying to remember even why I, I think I signed up for Instagram and was just used, I post, you know, a picture every once in a while of my dog or like yeah. a beer I was drinking or something. And, um, and then over the course, I would say of the past, even just the past few months, I've seen a lot of people who are in my industry on Instagram, who are my audiences on Instagram. And so when we were oh. going over, where do we want to focus our marketing efforts? Instagram was really the place to do it. And, you know, for uh, we, I have a small company, so we cannot be everywhere. And I don't even think it makes sense to be everywhere. Anyway, you want to make sure that you're where your audience is. Right. And so I'm like, all right, if I were to pick one thing, it would be Instagram. And so we started playing around with different feed posts, um, which are like the posts that just are automatically populated on your yep. page. 
and um, different types of images and pictures and quotes. And um, what we found is that people loved hearing like the personal stuff. Mm. People are so nosy, which makes sense. And it's yes. also like, I, I remember I was actually listening to your podcast on like telling stories mm-hmm. and yeah. And that telling stories and connecting with people on a, a personal level um, is important. People want to know, especially in my industry, they want to know who they're talking to. And I think right. even with big brands, they still want to understand um, and be connected with people. Right. And so um, was I that started, Tom? What? Do you, was that Tom? It, it might've been. Yeah, yeah I think Tom. so. Amazing. Yeah. And so it was, um, it was kind of through this experimentation that I realized, oh, people want to hear what I have to say. They want to hear stories about me. It's actually quite therapeutic for me to start <laughs> sure. some of my stories too, yeah. because, you know, and then you realize, I, you know, I have a lot of stories to share that would be really helpful right. for people. Um, and so then I started um, with the Instagram stories and um, they're short clips. What is it like 15 seconds or something where you right. can do images or you can do video. And it's kind of like a behind the scenes um, uh, f- for some stories, like it's a behind the scene glimpse of what's going on like a day in the life. Plus it's also a place where I can promote things that are coming up. Um, I have found now that people are viewing stories more than feed posts. I have no data behind that. Um, but I have heard, I have heard that in various places that I've, you know, read and I even know I'm observing my own behavior and I, a lot, I mean, I'm just going through everyone's stories that I like to follow. So, um, yeah, it, that's really how it started. It was kind of, I wasn't really into it. And then I started really enjoying it. You know, and I guess there's not as much preparation on it and and they disappear, right? It's not like they're saved somewhere. So they do disappear. And then what they have now is highlights. Um, As of January, 2019, they have highlights. (laughs) Who knows what they'll have in three months from now, but they have highlights where you can save certain stories so that you can, people can view them afterwards. For example, I have a program called the CEO Roundtable. I have a highlight. And anything that's related to that program is in that highlight. And so people can view that at any time. I have a really cute dog. Yeah. I have, I have a highlight for Scout, my dog, and all of those pictures. And, um, you know, again, people want that uh, holistic view of who you are as a person in order to buy, who you are as a company, what are your values. And so by showing people, listen, I like coffee, I like old fashions. I like my dog, you know, and I have all of this really great information to share. So I sprinkle that into, you know, this reminds me, um, of, of Twitter mm-hmm. and yeah. the joke with Twitter was, Oh, are you telling me you're going to brush your teeth now? It's like, no, but it was always good to have a mix of personal and professional. It was never just, just sharing links. God, that would be boring. It was, you know, some really cool things you're reading and then it might be something to happen. I shared this one thing where I, you know, I bumped into someone at Starbucks. Um, I didn't, but they're sat next to me and I was doing my thing. And they had a book on grieving and, and it was like, and then they left eventually. I didn't say anything to them because I'm like, would you be nosy? You know, and, but I put a little shout out to them on Twitter. It's anonymously to send it to universe. But it's like, you know, to your point, people want to know the real you 
underneath the link sharing, you know? And so a good mixture of both, I think, is always fair. This sounds like it's basically an upgrade to Twitter where instead of just your thoughts on paper, now it's like you talking and being real with people, maybe off stage, maybe the behind the stage being real. Um, and then some things from the on stage or some things from, you know, teaching, but, you know, it's that whole person. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of it comes down, and this is on Twitter too, to the conversation. So, you know, there's like one way marketing of just post, 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 but then people are commenting and engaging and then showing that you're responding and asking questions. And it is a time commitment, um, but it's, it's worth it because that's where you can get really, um, well, you can form connections if that's a value to you because it is to um, many companies and people. Um, you can also get really good information on your audience and you can ask them questions. So sometimes in my stories, I'll ask, you know, are you building a team right now? And people can pull in yes or no. Um, when it comes to, and you can also do a question. Ah. So what's your biggest struggle when it comes to building a team? People can type in their responses. And so now you're actually getting consumer feedback that I can then be using on my sales page and in my emails and actually understanding where people are coming from and knowing whether or not I'm the one to be able to support them or knowing, listen, actually, I'm going to start reading this book and then do a review of it because this is all about these topics that people are talking about. What kind of engagement levels do you have? Um, like, like the polls. I mean, I did it just to see. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say I have, I mean, compared to people who are Instagram stars, I do not have a lot of followers. Like there's people who have like a million followers on Instagram. Sure. I I have like maybe 11. Yeah. To be honest though, they basically just take pictures of their butts. So. (laughs) Or there's bots. Oh, they're bots. That follow, yeah, you can hire companies that will like follow people and then people follow them back and then they unfollow them. Anyway. Sounds bad, but good at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's mixed reviews. But, um, you know, I have about 1,100-ish followers. And I would say that there's, for my stories, there's about 100 to 150 people who will be viewing my stories. If I tag a location... So let's say I'm at a restaurant and I tag that location, it shows up on their stories. Right. If I use a hashtag, it shows up under, I think, like the hashtag if you were to search it. Oh, cool. So that can also expand the engagement. But without doing any of that, I'm seeing around 100 to 150 people out yeah, of the I mean, 1,100. It's interesting. Because I was trying to figure out, I mean, for someone just starting or – now, this, is this for, you'd say, personal brands? Would, would Should a company be on – Yes. There, or is it just the name of their marketing team or their CEO or something? Company? I think both. I think companies can definitely be on there. I would just be really mindful of the information that's being shared. Um, I have purchased quite a few things from um, like products through Instagram ads. Um, So now you can use paid advertising in feeds, but also in stories. And I will say it is so easy to purchase. It's almost too easy. <laughs> yeah. I followed but, a couple um, of those links myself. They're pretty, yeah. pretty nasty. Yeah. So, and you know, just like, you know, Facebook advertising, it's, it, you know, tracks where you've gone and there's pixels that identify what ads should be served to you and, you know, swipe up and buy. And it's, it's so easy to do that. Um, and I've seen a lot more advertising over the course of the past few months as well. Hmm. 
you know, it's funny. It's almost like, where do you spend your time now? Or do you just spend your time everywhere? Do you, like, do you, are we checking everything now? Cause I'm seeing some people that I know and they're posting things on there and it's like, are you, you might be posting them there and not on Facebook, but the joke is that Facebook owns both of them. But at the same time, it's like, yeah. there's so many of them now. I could see it being hard to keep up. But to your point, you found where your audience was at and you grew that. Totally. And I think, you know, I, I am not, um, you know, I'm not an initiating quick start. However, I have a lot of, um, creative ideas and there are times where I just want to do everything and I want to do everything right now. And the times where I have done that has failed miserably because I haven't been able to keep up based on where my business is at right now. I don't have a huge marketing department. Right. Um, you know, I've worked with marketing departments when I worked at, in my job, but I don't have the resources to do that. So, you know, but I think also, even when you have the, um, the revenue coming in to support at like big, you know, advertising campaigns, you still need to be super strategic on where you're putting that money. And so if you can identify what's working and what's not, then it's easy to do that now. There's so yeah. many uh, like business pages and insight tools where you can really measure and track and you can see, okay, I mean, that's how we knew that people liked to know about my personal life because right. we looked at all of the posts and we saw the engagement go up. Um, so it's, it's a really nice space to experiment as well with content. But to get back to your original question about, um, you know, should companies be on these platforms? I think as long as your audience is there, yes, it totally makes sense. Um, you can be sharing, um, you know, customer stories about, um, you know, their experiences, if, depending on what your business is. Um, but really, like, having it be a platform that helps you connect with those people Yeah, and that's necessary, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think I might have to do that. I might have to just like dive in, you know, if there's going to be one place to do it. And, you know, yours is a great one to watch. You're right. Like the stories are the more interesting parts of it. And you scroll through, but scrolling can get kind of weird, repetitive. It almost feels like, oh, now I really am doing the slot machine and you scroll. Yeah. You do stories, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, you know, my advice if you're just starting out on like, you know, not in, not just starting out on Instagram, but starting to do it for your business or for like your thought leadership brand or whatever yeah. is to keep, commit to a certain amount of time, commit okay. to three months of doing it consistently, of showing up, of experimenting, um, of playing around with different stories and seeing what's working and different posts because it does take time. And I, just like any type of experimentation, sometimes it can get really discouraging. You post a story and it's like one person showed up. I remember my first Facebook Live, zero people watched it. <laughs> I got out there and I started talking and it actually probably did more for me than it did for anyone who was listening because it, I became um, better on camera. Came right. better on Facebook. I start, it became more natural. So just commit to a certain amount of time and just go all in. Right. And see what it see what it looks like at the end. You know, it's interesting you bring up Facebook Live. You mentioned it before and I had this thought it and it was I've done those. But what's weird is that on Facebook it's kind of more of like your for some people, at least for me, it, in my head it's been like my inner circle. So yeah. Facebook is more personal, whereas Twitter I'd be more out there. Yeah. I could see Instagram being more like the out there thing, whereas maybe Facebook isn't but I know some people that just add friends like it's hot. 
and they're not really friends. Yeah. When I go live, I go live on my business page. Oh. Yeah. And so that's important because you can then use those videos to um, target potential audiences. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. So you turn those videos into ads. Yep. You can turn them into ads or if you have a different ad, you can target people who have watched your videos for like 10 seconds or three seconds. You can target all of those people because if, if people are scrolling, I think I'm not a Facebook ads expert, but if people are scrolling, they're not going to view your video for three seconds, but if they view it for at least three seconds, it means they've stopped and maybe hit play which means that they're starting to engage. And then if you're selling something or maybe you are trying to, you know, build the know, like, and trust, and you just have an informational blog post or something that you want to serve to them, you can target those people. Right. So yeah, yeah, all on a business page. You know, this is, this is cool because it just reminds me how much things change, you know, and, uh, Twitter used to be the change. Now it's not so much the change. Um, and you got you to gotta stay up with things. You know, you really do. And as much as we, we may want to just sort of hang out and <laughs> whatever worked, I mean, that doesn't work for SEO. If you, if you try SEO strategies from 20 years ago, you'll probably get banned by Google. So you got to like stay up with things. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think it's also, it's good to kind of see what's working and what's changing. And I do think that there's value into sticking to one thing. And as long as it continues to work for you, for example, you know, I know a lot of people who use YouTube and they don't put their videos on Facebook and they don't put their videos on Instagram, but they have a YouTube channel that like I go to every week to look at their content. And, and so they've stuck with that platform and it's really serving them well. Um, their audience is there. Um, I think with Twitter, I think Twitter is still working great as long as you're showing up and continuing to have conversations with people mm-hmm. um, and and really engage with them. Um, so it's cool to see like what's working and what needs to be tweaked and evolved. You know, when I first started on Facebook, a lot of people were going live on their personal pages and then uh, about business. And then Facebook's like, you can't talk about like, you can't go live and talk about business on your personal page. And yeah, because um, nobody wants to hear it because that's not why yeah, they, they're friends like, with you. Minute, like, you're my it doesn't like, make sense. Aunt, why are you like, I don't care about project management, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, now you know, people are then you know, and so that's important. It's important to know some things about how stuff is evolving, but I think that there is you know, a, a strength and a value in sticking with you know, what's working and being consistent with it. This has been really helpful because I think I've been, I mean, I've thrown photos on Instagram and I've done a couple Facebook lives, um, but I hadn't had them really squared away in my head. Like I think I do now where it's like the next time, if I really want to share something on Facebook live with my, my peeps, then it's going to be something about me as opposed to like, and I don't think I've ever done business stuff with other, everyone else, but it's, it's like they're not necessarily your fan base. They're just your friends and family. Um, they're not, maybe not even marketers in my case, right? They're like, so me talking about anything to do with marketing doesn't necessarily resonate or matter. Yeah. I guess you kind of want it to matter to your audience. Otherwise, you're just putting it out there. Uh, but I could see totally where Instagram could be that way where you can be personal to people um, way more. So I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to do some, 
I'm going to just start doing some stories and see what happens. And they might correspond well to the whole rebrand thing we're chatting about yeah. and, and just have fun with it and try it out. But that's really cool. I, I can totally see how, you know, and obviously it's popular. People are there. I'm there. <laughs> so playing around with it and trying new things. Yeah, it's definitely becoming more like friendly. And I, I feel like Instagram is what Facebook was, where it's like only a few people were on it at first. And then they slowly, I mean, it didn't have the same rules as Facebook. Like it used, Facebook only used to be for college. Like, I know. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit different, but like slowly more and more people are coming onto the platform. And I'm sure it will change just like Facebook has at some point. But I think it's worth it. I mean, I'll follow you. So you have at least cool. one follower. Wait, you, you don't already follow me? I What's do follow on? you. Okay. Are you I just don't say anything, so you don't even know that you follow me. <laughs> Are you using your same, like, do you think you're going to go with your same Instagram handle? My Casey Chesh? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of just the easy way. It's good for me to remember myself. Yeah. yeah. I did the same thing. So if you scroll down, and everyone listening, feel free to follow me on Instagram. If you yeah. scroll down far enough, you'll see those pictures of, like, my dog and beer and like a fireworks or something. And then slowly you'll see, and I love doing this actually with other businesses to see like how they've evolved um, in their branding. Yeah. Kind of see over time how it's played out. Yeah, totally. And, and for everyone listening, it's the project designer, yep. right? Is your Instagram. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. And Perfect. we'll do some more links later, but yeah, the project designer, great example. Great. I will, I will emulate you. And uh, start getting out there and just doing it. I think it's also, to your point, a good way of just doing that, almost like that self-expression, just gets it off your chest too. And and uh, there's some value to that. So my big question is, because I've got to know you in Arizona and um, learned a lot from you today. Who are you? Who are you? How did you become the project designer, the CEO roundtable ringmaster you know how how did you end up here like what kind of crazy experiences did you have in life that ended up where now you're you know the mm-hmm. advisor to the stars kind of thing yeah that's a really good question um looking back so i ask myself that question often actually <laughs> like how did i get here you know right there's certain times in life where you're trying to figure it out and i really think that as people grow, we all evolve and things change, you know? So I want to constantly be asking myself that question. And now my, my phrase is I help people with their people. And I kind of went back and, and thought about when this started coming up. And I remember in, in elementary school, elementary school, I had, you know, a group of friends who would fight like, you know, and no, nothing big, but it's just like, oh, well, she said this and she said that oh, or whatever. I would be the person who would bring everyone together huh. and ask them to share the different sides of the story. Huh. And I remember one time my friend said, oh, well, like this person said this thing about you and we were on the phone. And I was yeah. like, let me three-way them in. <laughs> and so, <laughs> like, and that was probably like a little like- You're like, no, Nicole, no. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, we're connected guys. Let's all chat. <laughs> Like, that probably wasn't yeah. the best way to do it, but it's like, listen, everyone speak because what's like, like getting to the bottom of what's actually going on. Right. Um, and so I would definitely say that I needed to refine my skills over time, but that was something that was coming up. And I don't even know where I learned that, honestly. I mean, it really right. was something that felt really innate. Yeah. Um, and it was just this natural instinct. 
And so as I went and, you know, through high school and got into college, I studied film and photography and, um, and I minored in business management. Um, an interesting thing happens in film school, or at least at mine, everyone that I was in film school with wanted to be a director. Oh. They saw a vision, they wanted to direct these films, and no one wanted to do any of the production management. Right. <laughs> and that was me. Like, I was, all right, I love your vision, and I see how this is all going to come together, but like, when are your actors showing up? <laughs> how are you feeding them if you plan on filming them for eight hours? Um, where are the locations? How are we funding this? And I was just so focused on like that, ex that would excite me. Yeah. And I would say at that point I took on way more than I could chew. So mm. I, cause everyone needed, I was in demand. Yeah. Everyone, Stage managers and just managers are just so valuable. Yeah. It's not like super sexy. Like to no. be a director of a film is just like, Ooh, that sounds great. Like, Oh, and the production manager, it's like a kind of a thankless job, but totally. that's what I was passionate about. And you know, we needed each other, right. Mm -hmm. The director and, um, and the production manager. And so I definitely had a lot of lessons to learn when it came to like over committing and understanding what was going on because I would want to do all of these things and then I would get burnt out. And right. what I realized at the time that I was struggling with is perfectionism. Um, mm. And I had been struggling with that for a really long time and I didn't know it. Like I didn't really start to understand it until college when I started going to therapy because they offered it there. And yeah. I'm like, ah, something's happening. I need to figure out what this is. Sure. Anytime you can work on yourself, you know, yep. put the oxygen mask on yourself first, for sure. Totally. And I, and, and I kind of started understanding what was going on, but it wasn't clicking um, until, you know, I graduated and I started working in New York City and it was really fast paced. And um, I was like ready to climb the corporate ladder. Wow. I, was so focused on my career. I wanted to be the best and that's great, <laughs> except like inner perfectionist, not so great. Okay. And so I was like coping. I was drinking a bunch. Like I, I was like so extreme at work sure. that it was like requiring me to be completely extreme and unresponsible in my personal <laughs> life. Like I was like, I have to be together. I have to act this way. Da, 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 da. And it's like, you know, I needed a like release from that. Right. Um, and so. Um, and it and sounds it, fun, but then at the same time, it's, it can be a little empty because you're, you're trying to fill voids as opposed to just having a blast, you know? Totally. All the yeah. time. Yeah. And that's what, you know, after working with several different, like a therapist, I worked with a mindfulness, um, a mindfulness, I, what do I call her? Like coach or so, coach. Yeah. Mindfulness yeah. coach. I still actually speak with her. She is. Oh, good. Incredible. Yeah. And what she, she was the one I went to her because I wanted, um, I was struggling with an eating disorder and I sure. was like trying to figure out, which happens a lot with perfectionists. Like, yeah how do I navigate this? What's my meal plan? Like, you know, thinking I'm right. going to get like this nutrition and she's like, this is not about food. <laughs> right. Yeah. And she's like, what if, you know, you just like tweaked the way that you were operating 
in your professional life and in your life in general. Right. So that you weren't spending all of this unnecessary energy trying mm-hmm. to make people happy and trying to please people and trying to appear a certain way. Like, let's see what would happen. Right. And so I started incorporating that in and I, everything changed in the best possible way. Like I was sleeping better, wow. I felt better at work. I got promoted. Um, I was doing better. I was able to have these conversations because I was okay with being, being vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and so that really taught me a lot about how, you know, making these changes and having these difficult conversations and really being self-aware just impacts my life and could impact other lives too. And that's how, I mean, that's really how I got to where I am now because what I realized people liked working with me because I knew how to talk to people Mm -hmm. and they felt like I was real. And I was able to be that because I actually was being real. (laughs) Right. You know, and I think that's one of the things that, and the reason why people are very comfortable opening up to me is because I show up as myself and I Mm -hmm. noticed the people that I would feel really comfortable with would be totally fine with themselves. And they like mess and all, and they they weren't trying to be perfect. Like, and they were great, you know, at whatever they were doing. And I'd be like, Oh my gosh, it's making me feel so much more comfortable. And like, look at these ideas that I'm having and how I can contribute. And so that's what I'm, you know, being now for other people. And it is a work in progress Um, but that's really, um, understanding and having all of these experiences and helping people with communication and communicating, um, and, and incorporating mindfulness and just other techniques to help them step up in their own leadership, um, is what I love to do. And it's all based on a series of challenges and, um, wins too, that's happened, uh, in my life. You know, to be yourself, I think I heard some song on Spotify recently about like the hardest thing, the hardest thing is actually just to, oh, it's like stand in the light and be yourself or I think it was a song like that. And it was like, yeah, that can be the hardest thing. Just standing in the spotlight and just being like, this is who I am. And uh, I think you expressed that beautifully on Instagram where it's like, hey, this is me. Here's my cute, crazy dog. Um, you know, random stuff happening, like life person. Yeah. Uh, but it takes, I'd say, you know, courage, probably some confidence, or if you don't have the latter, then it's like the former or vice versa. Like it takes something to just put yourself out there um, because technically people could reject the real you, which is I think why people have fake thems, you know? Totally. And, and it, it's funny because this reminds me of marketing that if you're yeah. doing a great job, you should be turning some people away. Interesting. How so? Because if you're doing a great job being yourself, there's going to be some people that like you and there's going to be some people that don't. If you were doing a job with marketing, you're going to really attract your ideal clients and your ideal customers. And you should not attract your non-ideal client. Like they're not going to like you. And for (laughs) the longest, like for the longest time, I was just trying to make everyone happy that doesn't work in marketing and it doesn't work in life because you know, I remember, and it was the same mindfulness coach who told me like, aim to disappoint people Mm -hmm. every day. Wow. Because if you're really living your truth and you are prioritizing the things that are important, there's going to be other people who are not prioritizing those same things and you are going to potentially let them down. Now, if they care about you, 
they'll understand. If they truly care about you, they'll understand. And if they don't, they won't. Right. And this was the same thing. I remember, um, you know, I, I've coached people in leaving their jobs and leaving um, certain teams um, and, and kind of completing their work and moving on to something else. And I'm like, you know, and they're like, some people are saying, oh, I have such a good relationship with my manager. And it's like, if you really have a good relationship with your manager, they may be disappointed, but they will understand. Right. They will tell you that. Right. If they aren't really, if this relationship is not um, authentic and real, then they might not. But good thing you know, because why stay in something that you're miserable in? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. You know, I, I love that that you know, the you mentioned the mindfulness. How would you define that? Because we I think we said it a lot today. Yeah. So mindfulness is paying attention to the present moment without mm. judgment. That was really good. Did you pull that out of thin air? No, 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 no. Can you say that I, again? I that was really that good. To many people, um, Sharon Salzberg is someone who talks a lot about mindfulness. Um, she has a book called Real Happiness, and another book called Real Happiness at Work. I highly recommend. Oh. And so, yeah. the first part, I think, a lot of people get this—the paying attention to the present moment. Okay, right now, I'm angry. The second part, <laughs> without judgment, can be a little bit more difficult. 100%. <laughs> well, it's like, well, why am I angry? I shouldn't be angry. This always happens to me. Like, why can't I do things? Like, that's judgment. Yeah. That's not necessarily practicing mindfulness. Sure. So um, there's a lot of exercises and, you know, you can look them up. There's lots of resources online um, for mindfulness practices. One thing that I like to do is with my coffee. I will drink my cup of coffee and think about the coffee. <laughs> And I'm like, ooh, this coffee smells good. This coffee tastes good. I'm not going to think about what I have to do during the day. I'm not going to think about what I did yesterday. I'm not going to think about what I need to buy at the grocery store. Um, I'm going to stay present in the moment and really observe what's happening. And so that's, right. that's a good practice. Start with your coffee. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and without the judgment, you know, it's interesting without, without the judgment, in my head, I immediately went to judging other people. And I, I almost got the sense you were talking about judging yourself. So, but in this case, it's don't judge anyone. Don't judge yourself or anyone else. Like some, someone's doing something that's making you mad in the moment. You're thinking about like, oh, I'm mad. And now it's like, okay, take a step back before you got mad at them. Like what is actually going on here? Or I did this. I screwed up. I'm starting to be self-critical of myself. And oh, hold on. Before I beat myself up, you know, um, what's going on here. And it just reminds you know, the fact that you're sort of looking at your coffee and saying, you know, this is great. This is a moment I can really enjoy. Reminded me of today, actually had a really rough morning, kids sick, like up all night, all sorts of, you know, crazy, one of those crazy mornings. And this is one of those days where I'm like, this is my podcast day. I got to go have fun. This is per I, the day schedule is so beautiful. I'll tell you about it offline. It's really cool. So, um, it's great. But here I was in the morning just being like, Oh, so off my game, but I was outside walking my stupid dog. By the way, if anyone wants a dog, I'll pay you $20 to adopt it. Um, but I was walking this dog. I I'm just half kidding. I kind of love her, but, um, walking this dog, she's a puppy people she's a puppy. So you forget. Under understood. There's a reason why they make puppies so cute. 
Yes. Yes. Because we don't have um, oxytocin. So we got to make them super cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm walking this thing um, and I, I'd gone from the, the, the garage up to the, the front door and put, put a new fleece on and gloves and hat. And I was warm and I was like, Ooh, two seconds ago, I wasn't warm. I was cold. That would have been miserable to walk the dog here, but now I've got all the gear on this new, new Hampshire freezing. Right. So all the gear. And so I started talking like that. I was like, look, I'm not walking the dog. I feel it's great, crisp, clean air, and I'm warm. I'm not like part of me is cold, even though it's sub-zero or whatever it is outside. And then I'm looking at my shoes. I'm like, oh, these brand new shoes, I really love them. They, my feet are happy. And it just kind of reminded me of your coffee moment where it's like, I know all these things, you know, stop, be mindful. What's going on right now? That gratitude, you know, what's going on right now that is just good. And then someone actually coached me. Uh, they said, look, look at that experience as like, it's like weather you know storm rolls in you're like ah rain and then it goes away and you're like ah beautiful day you know it doesn't have it doesn't ruin your whole day there's blue skies there's blue skies you know totally and i think that what is coming up for me as you're talking is the difference between pain and suffering oh interesting it's very similar you're so smart yeah (laughs) yeah it's because I used to suffer a lot. Okay. <laughs> so, Got so you earned it. You earned it. Yeah, right, right. Um, learning through, uh, through doing it. So, um, <laughs> so there's pain that happens. So the pain sure. of, you know, baby being up, my dog was sick. All, I don't have kids yet, but like my dog was sick all night, two nights ago. And he, we were outside with him mm. and it was like, just not great. And yep. so there's the pain of not getting enough sleep. The suffering is what ha- it is under pain is not necessarily within our control. Like if right. you were to fall down and hit your elbow, like pain is going to happen. And it's not, maybe you could have been more careful when you were walking, but like right, it's not right. your fault. Like you yeah. can't control that. Like, you know, um, there's things that happen in life, like natural disasters, things that just are absolutely outside of our control. And then there's the things that are inside of our control and that is suffering. Suffering is a choice. And so it's what you do with that pain. So if you um, make up a story about how much, you know, now this day is going to be terrible because I didn't get enough sleep and now this thing is going to happen and I can't believe I did this, right? This is the judgment piece. Mm-hmm. That's You are suffering. You are causing yourself to suffer. Right. Uh, and it's okay. Like, it's okay to go there for a minute, but recognize that it's happening and stop it as soon as you possibly can and figure out a way to process it in a better way. So for some, for myself, for my husband, actually, he loves exercising. He exercises almost every day. And at first I thought it was because he was trying to like look really good. And I'm just like, oh geez, like really you need to go to the gym again. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Damn it. You know, like counteracting his (laughs) coping mechanism. (laughs) Um, and, and what I realized is that a big reason of why he worked out so much was to help him process right. what was happening and help like tend to his state so that sure. he could show up in the best way. And that's, you know, some people will punch punching bags when they're angry or if they're sad, they take care of themselves. Maybe they phone a friend or, um, you know, journal or find some method of getting it out of you. Um, and so, you know, I think by identifying, okay, when am I going into suffering and how can I draw that back? Because it goes back to what we were talking about originally, which is like, it's not productive. Yeah. 
after yeah. I went, when I, after I went and supported myself with a mindfulness coaching and came back and like got promoted at work, I had so much more time because I wasn't spending that time feeling sorry for myself, blaming right. other people, making assumptions and stories about what people were thinking about me. Just let it all go and kept let doing go. my work. Yeah. Just, just let it be and, and be an experience. I love that. Um, paying attention to the moment without judgment. Yeah. Hey, moment. What's up? How's it going? Nice <laughs> to meet you. <laughs> I see you. Sometimes you, I like you. Sometimes I don't, but at least I, I see you. Yeah, exactly. I'm okay with it. And you never know. Next moment could be even better. So it's true. this is good stuff. This is good stuff. What are some of the ways people can contact you and reach out? Yeah. So Instagram is the best place. Like, right. We just talked. Yeah. Oh, now that is <laughs> focus. So it's Instagram.com slash the project designer. And I like, you I mean, you can find my personal stories and you can also get some tips around dealing with your people, um, whether it's people on teams, um, it, maybe it's your manager. Um, if you are a, a business owner, you know, mm -hmm. there's lots of, of tips on hiring and, and stepping up into a leadership role. And you can also direct message me there, which is where I'm the most responsive. So right. if you have a question, just be like, Hey, I heard you on, you know, Casey's podcast and, um, you know, feel free. I love having conversations. I love answering questions. Um, my word for 2019, if this, if anyone wants to know is, teach, yes. is, is what to, is to teach. Oh, cool. I love teaching. That's what I've, I've realized that that's what I've been doing. It's what I love and it's what I want to focus on. And so anything that I might be able to share with you, whether it's a resource or language or whatever, I'm happy to do that. And that really is the best, the best space. Yeah. It's an, that's an awesome, it's, it's such a giving thing to be a teacher, you know, and it's fun to share your knowledge with other people. It's, it's way more powerful when you share it like that. Totally. Just hoarding it to yourself. Right. You know? Yeah, well, it makes a bigger impact, you know? And if there was just like one thing that I said that changed, like gave someone an aha moment, or, mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't believe that everyone should just do what I do or do what I say, but it's taking that information and figuring out like, how can I maybe apply some of this to help my situation? Totally. Totally. Well, this has been awesome. If you looked at the clock, time is just like warped by, like, just um. <laughs> So fast. So fast. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with me for a little bit. Chat marketing, teams, little Colby, and uh, mindfulness. Man, I mean, I love that topic. It's, it's so cool when you can take a step back and look at yourself. And it just it's a happier life when you can do that because you're enjoying what you can enjoy and appreciating more. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was like such a fun conversation. I, I know, like right? Like kept going and i mean i talked about everything i just absolutely love so thanks for thanks for having the conversation hardcore marketing therapy sesh yeah i know i'm feeling great <laughs> <laughs> i've talked a lot now I'm, now it's like now you need quiet time you exactly. get some more coffee just sit there and enjoy the hot coffee watch the yeah. steam come off yeah right right i'll just uh, coffee 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 <laughs> Uh, and so for everyone else listening or watching, if it's on YouTube and you learn something, and I know you did because I literally have page of notes here. Uh, and if you learned anything like I did, then um, share this with someone. 
right? So get this message into their hands. Maybe it's that person that needs a little help with the mindfulness or, you know, if it's about the Colby too, and Colby, by the way, is K-O-L-B-E. We'll put it in the show notes, but definitely take that. Shoot me a message on Instagram after you take that and I'll, and I'll tell you what it means. But yeah, this is, this is really cool. So get this out there amongst the people and, and your friends and family. So awesome. Well, thanks, Nicole. Jackson Miller. Thank you. It was great being here. It's been awesome. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.